Hello, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of Harvest Church here in Elk Grove. We're excited to have you join us as we share God's message of hope and love. Each week, we bring you a new message from our pastors and guest speakers designed to inspire, uplift your spirits, and challenge you. Whether you're listening on your commute, at home, or on a walk, we hope these messages will bring you closer to God and help you on your faith journey. So without further ado, let's listen in. Look at you, Harvest. Oh, my lands. Do you guys even recognize yourself in the mirror anymore? I don't even know who you are. You know, I've been here before. Wow, it's incredible. I love it. Someone took the lid off. What in the whole world? Amen. Yeah. Now, I don't even eat these, nor do I like them, but you know those Pringles? And you, yeah. It's like, man, that's what I heard in the spirit. You know? Whoa. Incredible. Wow. Well, it's great to be here. What an honor it is to be here. All right. You guys, Pastor John, I think, is going on six months. Six months. Honeymoon's almost over. Now, see, you know, I'm not married. I haven't married. But I, I hear things from my friends who have. Right? And they say sometimes the very thing that they're attracted to and, and they marry, then in a year's time, <laughs> then you know where I'm going with this. Right? Okay. Whew. So, what I want to talk about tonight is protecting what is in the room. It's vital that in atmospheres like this, that it's highly protected, that you hold on to it with everything you have, that you don't let anything come in and steal it and grab it, right? It's the baby. It's in the world, they would call it the football, right? Who has the football, right? Okay, one guy over here got it. Okay, he's probably ex-military, secret service. I'm gonna preach to that guy all night. All right. So I grew up in church. I know, you're like, no, really, sure? <laughs> so I, uh, I grew up in church. I grew up over on the coast, Mendocino, California area. Yeah, come on. It's beautiful over there, isn't it? For the uh, newly married and the nearly buried, <laughs> right? It's for people who are retiring and or honeymooning one of those little, little towns. And uh, we had a lot of the, uh, Mendocino had a lot of, back in those days, they had a lot of hippies, okay? And um, the young people are like, what are those? <laughs> I love it. I love being middle-aged. Isn't middle-aged fun? Yeah, your filter starts to fall halfway off and you just don't even care. It's great. <laughs> but I grew up in, you know, in the 80s, 90s era. And we sang songs in church. Like, you'll probably remember this one. Uh, as the deer, remember this? Remember this in the 70s and the 80s and, the, and, 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 and what worship services were like back in those days with like seven acoustic guitars on the platform, just going for it, right? It was before click tracks, before we even considered that worships would sound good, we just did it, right? We didn't care how it streamed, <laughs> right? We'd sing as the deer, as the deer panted for the water. Remember those? Oh, man. 
And, and then what about this one? What about this one? What about this one? Darlene Check made this really popular uh, 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 in the 90s, dwelling places. Remember this one? Lovely are your dwelling places. Remember that? And then they get to that chorus. And, I love you, I love you, I love you. Man, you could just sing that all day. You're just ruined. You're like, <laughs> I love you. You know, you're, you're singing like Grover. You don't even care. You're just in it to win it. And then I had a college pastor and he'd get up at the, at the keyboard and he'd, he'd start singing, there is a river whose streams make glad. You remember that, Caddy? The goodness of our God. And then he'd build it a little bit on his Yamaha. <laughs> And then he'd kick it, he'd go, but I will rejoice. And everybody, ah, I will rejoice, right? All those psalms have something in common. Do you know that they're written, Scripture tells us, are you, are you ready to get your mind blown right now? Are you ready for the mind-blown emoji? They are written by the sons of Korah. Now, you're probably thinking, now, who's that? I think I knew a Korah. <laughs> a who? The sons of Korah. There are 11 psalms in the Bible written by the sons of Korah. Now, let me explain this, maybe. I, I love history. If you're here and you're a nerd, don't raise your hand, but I I've already spotted you. We can connect later over these things. The Levites, we know, worked in the tabernacle and they were the ones who were helping Aaron the priest, okay? And Levi had three sons, and they were split into three tribes, and they did different things in the tabernacle. You ready for this? This is kind of interesting. There were the sons of Gershon, and they carried, uh, they cared for the curtains and the ropes. And, and you know, back in those days, it was the tabernacle. This was before the temple was built, and this was when they were following the cloud by day and the fire by night. I told the prayer team I was a little bit intimidated by it being called a fire service because, you know, there's no fire without a sacrifice. <laughs> okay. And so they would watch the cloud, and I think they had a love-hate relationship with the cloud. You ever been there before? Why did they have a love-hate relationship? Because every time the cloud moved, they moved. And that meant they had to pick up the tabernacle. That's a lot of work. And so they loved the cloud because it kept them protected from the sun so that it wouldn't blister them. But then when it moved, could you imagine like every day they'd be like, okay, can we stay? I, I don't know. I'm getting ready to go to bed. What, what do you guys think? I don't know. I think we're good. Oh, nope, it's moving. Everybody, we're bugging out. We're bugging out. I'd be like, oh man, I, I just wanted to go to bed. I, where's the curtains? <laughs> you're right. So if you're, if you're part of the Gershons, the son of Gershon, you cared for the curtains and the ropes. And get this, this is important. You were allowed to use a cart. That's nice. I like a cart. Now, there's the sons of Merari, and they carried the frames and the crossbars and the posts and the bases and they were also allowed to use a cart. That goes in the cart section. I would want to sign up for those teams. 
Like if we were having small groups and they said, well, what, what do you want to be on? I, I, well, who gets to use a cart? <laughs> I'm like a lazo. That's what they call people like me, right? Like I'm the person at my church that organized small groups so I wouldn't have to join one. <laughs> I'll just oversee, right? You ever been there before? Then there were the sons of Kohath, but they were responsible for the most valuable items. They were responsible for the Ark of the Covenant. I think I, I provided you with a picture, the most masculine rendering I could find. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant. Now this is the artist's rendering right here. And it's not accurate because actually the Ark would be covered. Because the things that were valuable, we know that inside the ark was the Ten Commandments, was the jar of manna, <laughs> which reminds us that in the kingdom of heaven, efficiency is not on the top of God's list. See, in the kingdom of this world, we, are, we celebrate efficiency. You get paid a good salary. Why? Because you're efficient. But it's the opposite in the kingdom of heaven. So the very thing that you love right now about Pastor John in six months might be the very thing you hate about him. Why? Because he's not efficient when it comes to the things of the Spirit. He's going to wait. Sure. It's okay. He's my friend. But it's the truth. See, see time is heaven's currency. And, and we want to make sure that everything is efficient. So what they did is when they would go out and collect the manna, God said, no, I want you to come out every day and collect it. But when they got out, they're like, man, I already put on my boots. Do I have to come out here again? Why don't I just, I'm just going to get all seven days right now because that's how we think in the natural. Am I right? That's why our churches have gone to one-hour services so that we actually get people to come because everybody's running so efficiently and we're killing ourselves. Woo. Come on now. So the sons of Kohath, they had to carry the cart. It had the Ten Commandments. It had Aaron's rod that had budded, and it had manna inside. It had some very cool stuff, but the very cool thing about the, but about the Ark of the Covenant was that between the cherubim was where his presence resided. The mercy seat of God. They were actually carrying the presence of God and they weren't allowed to use a cart. They had to do what? They had to carry it on their shoulders between the poles and they weren't allowed to touch it. They had a lot of rules and they had no rights. Whoo. We see what happened when Uzzah accidentally, a couple chapters later, accidentally touches the Ark of the Covenant. You remember that story? David thought, I'm going to be efficient because, see, the Philistines, when they had captured the Ark of the Covenant, they were allowed to put it on a cart. They didn't have to put it on their shoulders. And so sometimes we look at other people. <laughs> well, how come they get to carry the presence of God like that? And the God says, well, they're not a Levite. You are. You have more rules and less rights. Come on. They had these rules that they had to follow, that they needed to carry the sacred items. They couldn't touch the articles. They had to carry them on their shoulders. They weren't allowed to see them. The more valuable the cargo you carry, the more rules and the less rights you have. 
You say, what's the valuable cargo I carry? Well, of course, it's the presence of God. But I believe it's also making sure that you're taking the presence to the next generation. You have to protect it. You have to protect it with everything within you. Everything is wanting to come and steal the football. Thank you. I like you, dude. Let's watch war movies later on. I like you. Korah was the grandson of Kohath, and he was a Levite. And all of a sudden, he wanted to be a priest. He didn't want to just carry things around. He wanted Aaron's job. And so we're going to look at number 16, 8 through 12. We having fun yet? Church should be fun. I'm telling you that right now. Come on. It's rarefied air here. I just want to let you know, it, it, it is rarefied air in this room. I travel a lot. I speak a lot of different places. Not to say that to pump myself up. It's just part of the job. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is rarefied air. You don't get this everywhere. I just want to let you know. I, I just want to let you know that. Um, also, I was thinking, you know, they can't just drop people into Mount Everest. They can't just, you can't just hire a helicopter and say, can you put me on top of Mount Everest? And then I can say that I conquered the mountain and take my picture. You can't do that. Why? Because they would literally, your lungs, you would, you, you would explode. So your lungs have to, you have to climb and you have to be the one that climbs to this as higher up and higher up. And then you get, as you go up in altitude, you actually move a lot slower the higher you go when you get to the top of the mountain. And it's rarefied air. Not everyone can breathe the air. It's the people who were on the climb. Look at your neighbor and say, thank you for climbing with me. Thank you for climbing with me. Yep. Sometimes you come to services like this and you're climbing for yourself. Sometimes you're climbing for your neighbor. Come on. Okay. So we look at number 16, 8. Verse 8, Moses also said to Korah, Now listen, you Levites, isn't it enough for you that God of Israel has separated you from the rest of the Israelite community and brought you near to himself to do the work at the Lord's tabernacle and to stand before the community and to minister to them? He has brought you and all your fellow Levites near himself, but now you're trying to get the priesthood too? He was basically saying, isn't it enough that you've been allowed in the room? But it wasn't. It is against the Lord that you and your followers have banded together. Who is Aaron that you should grumble against him? See, Korah couldn't bear the weight of what he was already asked to carry. How in the world is God going to trust him with the weight of his glory as a priest? Remember in Jeremiah when he said, you couldn't even outrun them on foot. How do you think you're going to run against horses? You couldn't even walk in the safe ground, let alone on the thistles next to the Jordan. So God is watching how you handle the weight that he's currently assigned to you. I think of the things that we carry on our shoulders. I think of the things that the Lord carried on his shoulders Around Christmas time, you'll hear a saying often that says, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And I'm like, that's right, boy, nothing ever changes. <laughs> Every time I have to go pay taxes, I'm like, and the government shall be upon my shoulders. <laughs> you know, that's not what that means. 
If you've ever been in the military, where do you wear your position? Where do you wear your rank? On your shoulders. The government was on his shoulders. King of kings and Lord of lords. It rested on his shoulders. He might not have had the most influence of the day, but he had the authority. And our society right now, everyone wants to be an influencer. Don't they? I asked my nephew one time, I go, honey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he's all a YouTube star. <laughs> well, what do you got for plan B? <laughs> let's go with that. How about let's hear it for community college? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They gave me a new position at the district office and I walk into my first meeting with fear and trembling. There's 20 youth pastors sitting there and they're all like super cool. You know how youth pastors, I think they're just born cool. It's like the kid comes out and they're like, hey, you look cool. Yep, you're gonna be a youth pastor. Think he's a youth pastor. Let's dye his hair now. Get him some Yeezys or whatever those things are. <laughs> I walk in the room. Literally, I hadn't been a youth pastor since the early 2000s. I think my youth group grew up to about, I don't know, 12. <laughs> a small town. That was revival. 12 was a revival. <laughs> I'm the one supposed to be leading the parade. I felt like they dropped me into a firefight, and here I was. I was like green, hey. Now, is this the way you shoot the gun? I was like, what in the whole world? I don't have the most influence in the room. These people have had incredible campus ministries and all of a sudden I'm in charge, why? Because I had spiritual and scriptural and supernatural authority. That is what God is wanting to give to this house. You might not be the most influential in your city, but he's giving you authority in the name of Jesus the things we carry on our shoulders, our position. Our position, we carry that. We feel the weight of that. The second thing I think of when I, I think of what he carried on his shoulders, he carried the cross. He carried pain. He carried the cross on his shoulders. And I love the good news. Don't get me wrong. I love the good news. But after you hear the good news, guess what? There's bad news. And what's the bad news? You get a cross and you get a cross and you get a cross and you get a cross. It's Oprah giving out crosses. It says, take up your cross. And sometimes I look at people and I'm like, why is my cross so heavy? And their cross looks like it's made out of styrofoam. I think I could carry your cross and my cross at the same time. What about those people who like their cross? You ever met those people? That's all they talk about is their cross, and they love it. They decorate it. They have coordinating outfits with their cross. You're like, enough with the cross, man. On the whole world. They've bedazzled their cross. <laughs> the last thing I think about when I think about what he carried on his shoulders was the moment when John the Baptist baptized him. Remember this? 
And God says from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Could you imagine? (laughs) Did you guys hear that? Hear what? I I don't know, nothing. And all of a sudden this dove comes and it lands on his shoulder, on his shoulders. See, see, I, I know he's everywhere, but I want him to rest here. I know he's everywhere, but I got to tell you, Harvest, he rests here. As a group of people at a fire service on a Sunday night, you are hungry. I tell churches this, when you start seeing people come out on a Sunday night, you know we're on the edge of revival. When people start giving up their time for the things of heaven, There is a spiritual and a supernatural hunger that he begins to stir inside of us. And so the more alive to Christ, the more dead to sin. And you have more rules and you have less rights. And the world is never going to understand this. It's all foolishness to them. I tell young people all the time, he's walking around with a basket of fools and he's saying, are you foolish enough to get in the basket? I'm like, Jesus, I want to get in your basket. I just don't want to have to be around the other fools. So listen to this though, when you compare yourself to the other people on the team, you start to resent the weight that you carry. Maybe you've been over here for a long time and you're like, oh, 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 man, how come they get to use a cart? And then you're over here with your cart And God's going, I need you to carry something heavier. And you're like, nope, I love my cart. (laughs) I'm not giving my cart up. I like carrying the curtains. And he's like, no, 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 no. I need you to carry the valuable things of the tabernacle. Nope, I'm sticking with my curtains. You like my curtains? Everybody loves my curtains. (laughs) And you start to say things like, how come they get to use a cart? Or maybe you say things like, how come they get to be the priests? Doesn't God consider all leaders the same, no matter the position? See, there are some things that you don't know about yourself until you're given a place of influence. Aaron didn't know that there was an idolater in him until Moses left him alone with the people. And Moses goes up the mountain and he's with God chiseling the, the, in the, he's hearing from God and, huh, and he comes back down the mountain and here's Aaron with a circus. Do, 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 do. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know, dude, I had to keep him quiet. It was like he was babysitting five-year-olds. Why did you give him NyQuil? I don't know, they wouldn't shut up. <laughs> and he's all over there making an idol of gold. Why? Because he wanted to please the people instead of God. See, and then heavy things sometimes on your shoulders over time can begin to rub you the wrong way. And eventually, his presence becomes a burden and not a privilege. And it starts to wound you. And you get a little bit of bitterness. Why do I have to carry the heavy load? I don't want to have to carry these things. Korah. I want to be the priest. Why can't I be the priest? I don't want to have to do this anymore. 
And I think about the body of Christ and I think about the times of wounding. See, this is so beautiful. I want this to serve as a warning that at all costs, you have to protect what God is doing here. Because the body of Christ is a beautiful thing. And when we speak against the the bride of Christ, we're talking bad about his wife. And he, I know one thing about my daddy, like he can say stuff about mama, but you can't ever say stuff about mama, right? Because if you say anything bad about mama, you get the wrath of daddy. And so here's the thing, God knows we're crazy. He knows we're a mess. It's not a competition, we're all nuts. But it's so important that you watch what you say about his bride. Because your words begin to germinate seeds that fall to the ground and are planted. And then you reap the harvest. Our brothers and sisters, I have to agree, they can say some of the harshest, dumbest things. I know because I've done it. I mean, some of the things people have said to me, if you've been in ministry very long, you're just like, what in the whole world? We need to do a class on emotional intelligence. (laughs) And so people are gonna wound you. It's called the fellowship of his sufferings. And they're not gonna handle things right. They are human. But I love this. Chris Songson reminds the Christian who's in a position of authority or leadership in the church. He reminds us of this, that it's never your leader's job to handle the tension in your heart between submission and authority. See, as this thing gets rocking and rolling and as God begins to do amazing things, and I don't know what the future of harvest begins to look like. I do sense that God is going to use this church as a ministry sending church, that ministers will rise up and continue to rise up from this church and be sent out full of the Holy Ghost. But it's so important that we protect the leader, that we protect our hearts in regards to leadership. Because I'm telling you, the very thing you're attracted to six months from now could be the very thing you say, huh, I never saw it like that before. Why? Because we're human and familiarity breeds contempt. Protect your hearts, my friend. Is it okay that I'm sharing this with you? Come on now. It's the body of Christ and it is so true. It's your job. You're the only person that can handle your heart. Nobody else can reach inside your heart and handle it for you. Nobody else can fight in the spirit for you. Just like I can't send someone to the shower and they'll get clean on my behalf. I can't say to my sister, hey, go brush your teeth and my breath will smell better. I can't do it. Nobody can ever fix your heart but you. And you have to allow God to do that. How do I know these things? Because I've been around. I I celebrate in October. I'll celebrate 25 years at the district office. 
I know, I'm like, oh Lord, maybe I've become institutionalized or maybe I need to be institutionalized, I don't know. <laughs> but it's been a great journey of God being able to grow me around amazing men and women of God. But I'm gonna tell you right now, just because you work in a Christian organization doesn't mean you don't have to deal with the tension in your heart. And so every single day I do something visually when I walk into the office. See, there's a difference between the executive wing and everybody else. <laughs> the carpet's even different. And you know what? Here's the deal. They have, to do with, they have to deal with such crazy things that they can have good carpet. They should get them hardwood. I don't care. And they should make that gold over there because what the stuff they have to deal with and the stuff they have to hear, I'm like, I don't know. You guys all need to just be laying on feather beds all day and have people serve you. It's crazy sometimes, but I do know this, that I have a doorway that leads from the superintendent's office and it leads by my office. And what I do is I open it in the morning and then there's a little kickstand there and I kick it down. And it's a reminder that my heart, the door to my heart stays open no matter what comes down from the executive wing. Why? Because authority makes decisions at times and they don't consult you. Have you ever been there before? And you're like, I wasn't consulted. That hurt my feelers. <laughs> I love working with young people and I love teaching them grit. And they'll say, I feel like I've been abused in ministry. I'm like, was he throwing spears at you while you were playing the harp? <laughs> Remember King Saul and David? I know I'm probably not the one that, that, you know, I probably need to be a little bit more compassionate. Because man, I'm telling you, you get to so many years in ministry, you're, you're cut up. You're like, dude, you want to see scars? We, we, will, we will compare, right? Let's compare. The beautiful thing about, about David is God set him in a position where Saul was throwing spears at him, but he didn't pick them up and throw them back. Because God is not going to judge you on the leaders who hurt you. He's going to judge you on your heart. Listen to me. In this season, some of you, I'm going to tell you right now. Let, let, me, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. When I get in the pool, I'm with friends. This doesn't happen very often because I'm a fan of the great indoors. <laughs> But when, when I go to a pool party and I'm there, huh, hey, hi, huh, awkward, huh? <sighs> Some people just dive in. People like me. <laughs> it's cold, it's awkward. I'm not a person that just jumps in. Listen, some of you in this atmosphere will dive in and you'll say, I want to carry the heavy stuff. Give me no rights and all the rules. Yes, God, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> some of you are like, those people are crazy. I just want to stick with the curtains. <laughs> Listen. The thing that will destroy this more than anything is when the heavy carry people and the curtain people get mad at each other. Some of you have gone deeper in your relationship and it has put an estrangement even between relationships. 
and you feel pressure. You feel pressure because why am I not swimming at the deep end of the pool and I'm over here in the shallow end. I'm just enjoying the community. I'm like, hey, aren't they serving coffee around here later? Do, 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 do. I got my little floaties on. I'm having a good time. Some of you are over here like, Some of you over here going like, Can anybody tell me where they're blowing on people? Here's the thing. You keep trying to figure it out, you ain't never gonna figure it out. If you could figure it out, you'd bottle it up and sell it on eBay, baby. You'd be making money off it. That's why you can't figure it out. On the other hand, some of you can get so deep over here that all of a sudden it becomes a badge. And you begin to look down on people because you've got it all figured out. And so then you begin reading books. This happened to me. I began, I had this revival in the spirit last year. I was messy. I would go to brush my teeth and I couldn't brush my teeth because I kept speaking in tongues. I didn't know what was wrong. <laughs> I called my dad. I said, I think it's menopause. I can't stop crying. <laughs> no lie. No lie. I didn't know what was wrong. Dr. Sam was like, why are you so messy? I don't know why I'm so messy. It was the presence of God was wrecking me. But listen, listen, because I'm a nerd, I wanted to get every book I could get. Man, I was, I was down in Bill Johnson and Randy Clark and all these great people who have theology that I always thought was gonna not be the same as mine. And, 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 and I was trying to figure it all out. And then what ended up happening is this grew bigger than this. God says it's here. It's right here. Don't let anything destroy this. Protect your brothers and sisters, please. Somebody talks bad about them, you say, it's okay. They can stay in the curtains. They can use the cart. Listen. Some of you in this room, God is going to use you in a great way and your influence is going to go up. As you go up in influence, you must go up in honor. If your influence is higher than your honor, you are now out of balance. And what begins to happen is then you create a subgroup. Subgroups are what Korah created. He created a subgroup of 250 men that were rebel rousers. They began to think like him and talk like him. And they went to Moses and they stood in front of Moses. And so it was all this, this great duel, almost like a Western. My dad and I used to watch Gunsmoke all the time. And I can only imagine, it was like Moses, AKA Matt Dillon. 
I love speaking to older crowds. I'm like, thank you. Oh God, thank you. <sighs> Woo. Somebody that's speaking my language. And Moses says, okay, here's the deal. Now this is legit. Like Moses had authority. He was like, okay, if you're wrong, the earth is gonna open up and swallow you. And that's exactly what happened. God didn't kill them and then swallow them. He swallowed them alive. The earth opened up and they went into the pit. But listen to this. Korah only thought he had 250 men, but he didn't understand where his, the boundary of his influence was. The next day, 14,000 people, 14,000 people come up to Moses and they are mad at him for the way he handled Korah. He had no idea the influence he had. And all of a sudden, the plague broke out. And it began to destroy the people. Now, you can tell that I really don't have so much a pastor's heart. Because <laughs> we see what Moses did. Right? When God would get mad at the people, what would he do? He would fall face down. And he would intercede for them. I'd be like, you go get them, God. Kill him. <laughs> I always felt bad about that, but then I took one of those, you know, fivefold gifts tests, and it turned out like Apostle Prophet, and I was like, oh, thank God. Oh. All right, praise God. Oh. Here's, I love what Pastor Chris Songson does. He, he gives you some examples of some things that you know that your heart needs to be protected better in regards to leadership and the people around you. And I'm just gonna give you some things right here that have helped me. Here's some signs that you need to be on the lookout for. Here's some signs. You used to take notes when your leader spoke, but you no longer do. Mm. See, Jesus made it easy to leave and hard to stay. We, we've really done the opposite in the kingdom of heaven and in the church, right? Because we want people to come and I get it. We're like, I mean, short of like handing out $100 bills, we're like, please come. And Jesus is like, unless you eat of my flesh and drink my blood, like we would not put him on the marketing campaign. <laughs> they all left him. Listen. Some people might not understand what God wants to do here and they might leave. Because people leave doesn't mean that God is still not on the throne in this house. Can I just say that? Is that okay? I just said it. Sometimes people will think to themselves, well, I serve the, I serve the vision, but I tolerate the leader. Now, I'm not saying this is anything now. It's all fun and games. It, we're still on the honeymoon, right? Everything's all good. Six months in, woo-hoo. These are just things for later, just if you're taking note, if you're just, just a mental note. You think to yourself, things would be better if I was in charge or so-and-so was in charge or, or little by little, you begin to disengage your heart. 
You become busier in the world. You become critical. There's a shift from asking great questions to having a questioning spirit. And critical people always develop subgroups because they have selfish ambition and they have a jealous spirit and they actually eventually want the leader to fail. Y'all acting like you're surprised. If you've been in church very long, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because see, jealousy is the absence of gratefulness. You gradually shut down and you've withdrawn your heart. The easiest thing to do when I get hurt by someone, either leadership or in the church or someone, my brother or sister, the easiest thing for me to do is to become five years old. Not that five-year-olds are bad, but they're five is to become the five-year-old little kid that shuts down and closes her heart. And she's going to take her ball and go home because she's offended. And then she's going to punish everybody else. Is that, you know, you know what I'm saying? Is that, does that sound, yeah, okay, anyone? Yeah. If you're here and you have a Cora in your friendship circle, Fix it. I'm saying it with a smile. You can say anything from the pulpit with a smile. (laughs) Fix it. I love this. You're only one difficult conversation away from a breakthrough. Because honestly, they're tearing you down too. You think it's not affecting you, but it affects you. If you're the Cora, fix it. You're only one prayer of repentance away from breakthrough. Can I have the band come back? Sounds like a good moment right here. Felt kind of heavy. You can say anything heavy from the pulpit with a smile and a keyboard behind you. It just sounds anointed. You're like that right there, yeah. This is my favorite part. Numbers 26 tells us this that the sons of Korah were spared. What? That doesn't sound like the Old Testament God that I know, right? Like when you read the Old Testament, he's like, kill everything. The cattle, the kittens. You're like, not the kittens, the kittens. (laughs) Okay, but do we have to give up the little puppies? Someone's hide the puppies. But he spares Korah's sons. And listen to this. This is what I love. This is what I love. Korah's sons went on to become the doorkeepers in the temple. You know what a doorkeeper is? I don't either. But I know this. That it was the lowest position in the temple. Korah, the one who started the great rebellion against Moses. I want my rights. I want to use a cart. I want to be the priest. Moses says to him, aren't you just glad that you got in the room? See, when God shows up, I just want to be a stain on the carpet. I'm just there. 
I just want to see him. I just want to know him. And they, they were just happy to be part of the team, no matter where they served. It's the same thing with Obed-Edom. He gave it all up after they'd stored the Ark of the Covenant. See, there's something special about the presence of God that changes you and it leaves you wrecked for any lesser loves. This week I was talking to, last week I was talking to Nelson and I said, so we're supposed to fast for the fire night. And he's like, yeah, and I'm like, oh, okay. to be honest that's one of the areas that I'm just I got my diet like fine-tuned man I'm like you don't understand I get lightheaded <laughs> my, I got low blood sugar I, I've diagnosed myself hypoglycemic Nelson was like, sure, it's okay. I'm like, I get all foggy headed. Can't think in a meeting. I had all these excuses. And he says, sure, it's just, you have to give up some things you love. And we make things so big. And so I go, okay, God, I've got these two things. These are the two things I love and I'm gonna give them up for two days. You know what I realized? I don't love him. I mean, I don't love them. I don't love them. I love him. We make things such a big deal. And we're like, okay, uh, you know, the enemy convinces us. I can't ever give that up. And then we slide it across the table and we go, it was worth it. The minute we take our hands off it, we go, it was worth it. I love him. I'll be a doorkeeper. The temple of my God. I'm just so glad you let me in the room. Not everybody's in the room. He's everywhere. But he doesn't rest on everyone. We also see that Korah's sons were also warriors for King David. They knew how to fight. Are you kidding me? Korah's sons, the rebellious sons, and they're fighting on behalf of King David. The last thing we see that they were war that they were worshipers. They wrote dwelling places. They wrote as the dear Korah's sons. The most rebellious man in the, in the Old Testament. And after seven, listen to this, this is so cool. I just wanna tell you, if you're here, I always hear people say, well, I'm first generation heathen. Right, when we're sharing our spiritual heritage, I'm like, man, I'm third generation preacher. And they're like, well, I came from blah, 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 in the backwoods of blah, 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 blah. And our family was nobody. Yes! And God picked you! Yeah. 
after seven successive generations, Samuel the prophet is born from the lineage of Korah. Crazy. But unlike their father, they valued their position given to them by God. And they left a legacy we still sing to this day. See, Korah left a legacy of a warning. You have a decision, and now that I'm middle-aged more than ever before, I care about the legacy that I leave. It's something I wake up with. I think about it all the time. I just say, God, I want the next generation to watch me worship. I don't want them to want my platform. I want them to want my prayer closet. I don't want them wanting my influence. I want them wanting authority. I want them to know what it is to be in love with the King of Kings and not to be a fake. I don't want my legacy to be a warning. Someday when I'm gone, I want them to say, man, she knew how to fight. She was a fiery one. She could wield that sword of the spirit. She didn't let apathy set in because you know, apathy is agreement. Apathy is agreement. You get that thought come to your head. Look at so-and-so up there. Thinking she all that at the altar. If you don't fight that, you're in agreement with that spirit. Apathy is agreement. There's things that are going to come at you. And you're going to be like, what? Where did that come from? Fight it. You get a decision. Your life can be a warning or your life can be of work in the house of God, worship, and that you're a warrior. I wanna be satisfied with just being in the room and I wanna leave you guys with this. Can we stand? Doesn't that just feel better? Usually when people say that, it means they're ending. So we like, we're relieved, like, oh. Not you guys though. No, not the new harvest. No, no, you're here all night. I know you, come on. You guys don't even recognize yourself in the mirror. I want my legacy to be that I carried the presence of God to the next generation. And I carried it well. And then I passed the baton and then I stayed on the field to see how they ran. I don't want to just pass it on and then hit the showers. Well, I guess my time here is done. No, I want to cheer. Come on, you sing your song. Sing that song I hate. <laughs> Am I right? Sometimes I, sorry, sometimes I go to these camps. Sometimes I go to these camps and I'm like, simple, simple, simple just simple. He comes on simple things. If I have to look at the screen the whole time and I'm learning like a, a, po a it's poetry, right? Anybody else there? You're like, okay. Oh, and this is, oh, okay. Boy, I need a playlist before I got here. You ever thought that before? Like, man, they needed to give me a little header coming in here. Cause this is a lot of words. And then I'd have to learn Spanish. God 
we pray that we'll have to learn a lot of other languages because the world is coming. Next time I'm here, you guys are going to have like Russian singing and I don't know. Y'all call me when you get the acoustic guitars. You just let me know. Some of you have been hurt. And I pray that right now that God begins to show you that what you carried wasn't a burden but a privilege in the name of Jesus. You've carried some incredible people on your shoulders. You've done some incredible work. And it, it wasn't a burden, it was a privilege. Some of you have been carrying for a really long time. You're like, no, I got it, I got it, I got it. Should we reposition the ark? No, 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 I'm good, I'm good. You know, I can only imagine like having to carry that thing. And then like Pete's like, I, I don't know, it's my bad shoulder. And they're like, okay. And then they have to, you know, the Chinese fire drill around the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, now you get this side and you get that side. I mean, it was cumbersome. It wasn't efficient. Efficiency will kill this. Efficiency will kill this. See, we love planning center. It's efficient. <laughs> Tells us what we're doing when we're doing it. It's efficient. Worship teams, they love the tracks in their ears. It's efficient. It keeps us all. <laughs> We're worshiping and all they hear is. <laughs> Efficiency. God's like, no, I'm not playing that game. Some of you have been carrying a heavy load and the Lord says this. He's rewarding you for carrying his presence because when you carry his presence, you're in a season right now where he says, my presence will now carry you. It's a burden there's no grace for the burden but when it's a privilege <laughs> there's a grace to carry the load that you didn't have before yeah. they're gonna sing I'm gonna leave you with this I'm gonna leave you with this it's about carrying the next carrying his presence to the next generation and a legacy and I felt this and I specifically felt it I know I read it to the church this morning I was at but I specifically felt it for Elk Grove can I just tell you that although Windsor got a taste for all of your striving for all of our striving what we what have we left to show buildings this generation no longer wants that have become relics and burdens It brought accolades for a minute, but the cheers died out. Built in the spirit, houses for generation upon generations. Houses filled with the glory for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Vestibules or lobbies filled with praise. Even in the lobby, praise. There's gonna be a season where we have to prepare people for what's gonna be happening in here, folks.
People aren't just going to be able to come in off the street because it will be so holy. They won't know what to do with it. They won't know how to handle the football. They won't handle the football properly. And so we have to stage them out there. Your doorkeepers are going to become altar workers that say, hey, do you know Jesus before you enter the sanctuary? We won't call them auditoriums anymore because that will actually be filled with his presence. They will return to sanctuaries. We were trying to be efficient. And we would say, see, they can play basketball over here and we can worship him over here. And the Lord says, this is my dwelling. When we consecrate things specifically to him, he loves it. We say, this is your place, God. The lobby is your place. You can have the parking lot. And if you want us to have the building next door, you just let us know. <laughs> Listen, buildings will eventually serve as warnings. I'm not saying buildings are wrong. Listen to me, please do not get me wrong. But they are not your legacy. Buildings will eventually serve as warnings, warnings of man's labor and of man's glory. Buildings are not your legacy. Your worship, your work in the spirit, your warrior spirit is your legacy. It's the only thing worth passing on to the next generation. He says, don't build me a house of brick and mortar. Allow me to fill the house of your heart. Let me build my home in you. Amen. Lift your hands tonight. We're going to worship him and we're going to praise him. Just say, Lord, build your home in me. Build your home in me. And for some of you tonight, I feel like the Lord is saying, I'm calling you a little bit deeper. I'm calling you a little bit deeper in. And you say, I'm afraid. I don't like the water. I don't like the temperature. And he said, it's okay, baby girl. It's okay, young man. I'm with you. I'm calling you deeper. I'm calling you to maybe set down the curtains and hold up something of value. Yes, you're going to have less rights and you're going to have more rules, but you're going to experience my glory in a way you've never experienced it before if that's your desire would you come tonight you say God I'm all in I'm all in would you come Pastor Nelson yeah oh okay oh he's at the altar he's are you answering the altar call this is so awkward praise God if you if you want to join your friend tonight here come on they're gonna lead us come on come on Jesus, we just want more of you. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Yes, Father God. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. We pray that today's message has touched your heart and encouraged your spirit. We believe that the word of God has the power to transform our lives and inspire us to be better versions of ourselves. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with your friends and family. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more inspirational messages. Until next time, may the good Lord bless you. And we look forward to seeing you at one of our weekend services and sharing with you once again next week.